0: is open. Let's get our bibles out this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. We've been in here for a while. This is part 5 of our blueprint blueprint for Christian conduct. And so God cares how we behave because it reflects on him. Amen. If you have children, you know when they're good, and everybody says, what a good kid. Boy, that's a blessing as a parent. Anyone ever have that happen? (laughs) Seen pictures, read stories. But if your kid does something bad, boy, it reflects on your name. And so God's children had to behave in such a way that we reflect good things upon the name of the Lord. And here's why. Because a lot of people are deciding what they think about Jesus by the way Christians behave. And so our conduct matters. You can say, well, I'm saved by grace, and there's no condemnation. You can misquote all those scriptures. The bottom line is the way you and I behave reflects on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you and I reflect him properly, the world is going to be seeing a clear picture of him. And how can they reject him because he's so wonderful? So this blueprint for Christian conduct here that we've been going through in Ephesians chapter 5, this is our fifth installment. I'm going to thank God for the word. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through about 14 today. It should sound familiar to you. We've unpacked a lot of this. but Lord, I thank you for the word today. Thank you for Ephesians. I thank you that you haven't just left us without a clue, but you've given us a blueprint. So help us, Lord, to hear all the things you're saying to us today by your Holy Spirit, that we would not just be hearers only, but we would be doers, and we'd apply these things to our lives, Lord, so that the light could shine through us and people would see Jesus in us. We ask that in your precious name and the church said. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God." Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, we've preached through all those verses and unpacked a lot of good things there. Here's our new material for this morning. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Let's stop there for this week. Our new verses 11 through 14. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, and so let's jump right in. Paul keeps the blueprint going. He keeps firing away and giving us areas and situations and, and even uh, things that we need to pay attention in our lives as Christians. We need to pay attention as believers. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Amen? Amen. You, guys, you guys know this world is fallen. Go back to Genesis. What happened when sin entered in? It affected everything in our world. Before sin, it was a perfect world. The garden was perfect. But when sin entered in, it affected every component of our lives as individuals, even the world that we live in. We live in a fallen world. And it's not easy to live a righteous life in a fallen world. Can I get an amen? amen? And I know some of you out there are trying really hard to reflect Christ and be Christian. Some, some Christians try really hard, even online, to you know, have a good attitude and be positive. But it's hard out there, isn't it? I mean, you could say something completely positive and 10 people will attack you. We have a Supreme Court justice now who the, the main attack against the nomination is that she's a Christian. And I'm hearing all these things. She, she's a cultist Christian. Like, if you believe the Bible, if you want to serve Christ, if you want to be moral, you're in a cult. Are you guys so shocked from the world that you can't, you're not going to respond? You go, oh. the world beat you up this week? It's hard to live a Christian life in a fallen world. It's not easy to be righteous in the midst of this mess that our contemporary culture has created. But it is possible if we pay attention to our hearts and our motives and our conducts and allow the precious Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, it is possible to be light in the darkness. Now, you know we're in the dark, right? And if you look around, a lot of indicators in the world show that it's getting darker, and the truth is, if you look at Isaiah 62, the forecast is for more darkness. <laughs> Isaiah 62 says this. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. So look at that. As the world gets darker, God says, don't see, be surprised. There's going to be more darkness, even gross darkness. That's Gross is an interesting word, isn't it? What do you think about the darkness? It's gross. It's dark. It's wicked. It's evil. It it doesn't sit right with us, amen? Well, the call is for more darkness. But notice this. The darker it grows, but the Lord shall arise upon you. So the darker it gets out there, the more our light should shine in the darkness. The more dark it gets out there, the more you and I, our lives should pierce the darkness. So this blueprint here is showing us as a child of light how we should deal with the darkness. And whether you like it or not, you gotta deal with the darkness. You can't go hide in the woods. You can't you can't hide anywhere anymore. If you go and hide in Alaska, they'll make a they'll make a show about you on TV. I mean these people they can't even hide. They're just I'm gonna hide in the woods. I'm gonna circle the wagons. I'm gonna get away. No, the darkness is everywhere. You can't hide from it. You're gonna rub shoulders with it. But the Lord wants the children of light to know how to deal with the darkness. There are four ways that we're to deal with the darkness in this text here. The first is this a child of light must avoid the darkness. Avoid it. It says here in our text, but instead, it says here in our text, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. So the first thing we have to understand is there's darkness out there and and God has called us to avoid it and we are not gonna participate in what's going on with it, amen? That's the point of this whole text we've been studying here, showing that what? We need to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, the Bible says, amen. We can't be half in the world and half out the world and straddle the fence and expect to be blessed and useful for the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to, listen, if you get quiet, I'm going to get louder. So where are we going with this? We've got to learn how to avoid the darkness. There's too much darkness in God's people. We're going to talk about it. We're familiar with it. We're comfortable with it. We're not even shocked by it anymore. It pushes up against us and we let it push us back. But the first step is to avoid it. Do not be a participant. I am not willing to participate in the things of the darkness. Now, you and I know every day we live on this earth, we're going to struggle with the tug of sin on our hearts. Because I'll tell you why. We have flesh on us. And, you know, when we're delivered from this body of sin, sin will have no more effect on us. But until we'll say, how do you get delivered? You got to die. Okay, that's how. You can't scrub it off. You can't wash it off. There's no body wash that takes it off. Sin be gone. It's not there. But when we die, we'll be delivered from the body of sin. And when we are, then we'll never struggle with sin again. And he'll wipe away our tears and forever we'll be with the Lord. But until then, we're going to struggle with sin to some degree. And we as Christians must do everything possible. We must be completely sincere in trying to avoid sin the best we can. We should struggle against sin, but we should never willingly give ourselves over to it. You see, the fact that we struggle against it shows that we pass passed from darkness into light. Before we were saved, we didn't struggle against sin. We embraced it. We tried to enjoy it. We thought this is what life is about, and we immersed ourselves in it, amen? When we come out from that, we have to be different. Now we struggle against it, and we don't give ourselves over to it. What is that? That means we are not participating in the darkness. Now, sometimes the saint's gonna sin, Amen? Anybody? A couple people this week, two people, praise God. <laughs> Sometimes a saint's going to sin, but we should never willingly participate in it. That shows we've moved from darkness to light. Now, I want to I share a little secret with you. Here's what makes it exponentially easier to not participate in sinful practices in the darkness. We need to be careful what situations we put ourselves in. We need to be careful who we hang around we need to be careful of the places we go. Hello? Uh, we're going we're gonna to unpack more of this as we continue in the chapter, but if, if you don't want to participate in sin and you don't want to be a willing participant in it, you and I need to be careful. It's exponentially easier to avoid sin if we don't put ourselves in the places where we're tempted to sin. You say, well, how does that work out? Here it is. If you have a problem drinking, don't hang out in bars. Oh, I was at the liquor store, and I just, you know, I just was weak, and I bought five bottles. No, stay out of those places. If you have a problem with drugs, don't be around people who do drugs. Come on, this is not rocket science, but we got to get it. Well, you know, I keep getting sucked into, you know, sometimes we need to avoid places, and we need to avoid people. If you have a problem with adultery, don't be alone with the opposite sex. You know, our vice president won't be alone with a woman, and everybody laughed at him. That sounds like wisdom to me as a married man. Amen. Amen? The world thinks it's stupid, but their marriages are disintegrating at an exponential rate. You have a problem with porn? Get some accountability on your phone and your computer. Will I go to passcode? Get rid of it. Give it to somebody else. Become accountable. Hello? You have a problem with gossip? Don't hang out with people who like to hear gossip. You know, there's some mature saints that when you start, they say, I don't want to hear it. And the minute you do that to somebody, that they're, they're busted, and the light shines, oh, I was gossiping, and they didn't like it. Don't hang out with people who have itchy ears. You have a problem with lust? Stay out of the club. Hello. Don't look at me like you don't know what the club is. You know, yeah, that's it. Those places where it's just, you know, carousing occurs. So it makes it exponentially easier to avoid the darkness if we refuse to participate and don't put ourselves in positions where we're tempted. Say amen, church. The second thing a child of light needs to do to deal with the darkness is this. A child of light must not only avoid the darkness and not participate in it, but we should expose the darkness. Look what the text says. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead, or rather, even expose them. Now, you might think, man, point one was hard enough for me, and I'm trying to digest all of that. But now you're telling me that even if I can avoid sin, isn't it a big enough job, Pastor, just to avoid sin? Now I've got to be, you know, I've got to expose sin? And the truth is, all of us need to first avoid it, but we should come to the place where we're mature enough that we begin to expose it. Now, you don't think the sins that you and I struggle with are just for us and our little uh, journals and memoirs. No, we go through things so we can learn the keys to victory so that we can share them with other people that struggle. Amen? Amen? Come on. That's why you're going through stuff. Amen? The enemy's trying to destroy you. God's trying to train you to be the one who can liberate others. So we don't just avoid sin, but we have to expose sin. But instead, even expose them. So exposing sin, you know, you're saying, well, I'm at the place where uh, I'm just, you know, I'm struggling. And Okay, that's okay. Avoiding sin is the first step. If you're not to the place of maturity, but you and I should be working towards that. You know, a drunk person has a hard time preaching against alcoholism. You got to first get victory, Amen. Because people don't want to hear it from you. They say, well, you're worse than me, or, you, know, or you, you haven't conquered it yourself. So we've got to learn the keys to victory. We've got to learn to be overcomers. Come on, the Bible says we're to be overcomers. But once we've learned to avoid sin, then it becomes our Christian duty to warn others of the destructive nature of it. See, when I say Christian and duty, it gets real quiet. Oh, I just got saved because I don't like hot places. I didn't know I had a job to do. Yeah, you, you and I have a duty. You and I who are partakers of the heavenly gift, the free gift of salvation, who are covered in the blood of the Lamb. You didn't think that was cheap what Jesus did on the cross, did you? You and I were bought with a price. We were saved for a purpose, not just to avoid hell, but now we are ambassadors of Christ. You and I are workers in the kingdom. We need to be kingdom people. Wow, I wish I was preaching to some people who would say something this morning here. Go through one covid lockdown and we become methodists (laughs) you're still charismaniacs right so exposing the darkness is part of what we do it's part of our christian duty you and i have a duty to those who are lost and in the dark to shine our light in that place and tell you a story it's a dark foggy night on the west coast and a motorist is moving along a winding two-lane road in the dark and he's moving at a brisk pace he comes around a sharp blind turn and he catches a glimpse of two sets of head taillights and something seems strange about those taillights so instinctively defensively he begins to slow down and then immediately he jams on his brakes and comes to a screeching halt in front of him in the lane just ahead of him Two cars had careened into a sinkhole that opened up in the road in the darkness. As he looked there, he knew he could just go around and continue on his way and consider himself lucky, but he felt the moral obligation to stop traffic that was coming around the turn and to help the two people that were in the hole. And most of us would agree today that if he would have just went around and let the next person come in and fend for themselves, that would be morally irresponsible. Would we agree? Well, it's just as morally irresponsible for us to not take our duty to expose the open pit that lies ahead many people's lives. The truth is the world is careening towards the bridge and the bridge is out. You and I who know the way of salvation, who have been delivered from the darkness, you and I who have Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, have a, a moral obligation. It's part of our Christian duty to expose sin Not to just revel in the fact that, way hooray, I'm saved. Great for me. This is awesome. (laughs) But to shine the light in the darkness. So we're not participants in sin. We avoid the darkness. A child of light must also expose the darkness. As we become mature, it's part of our Christian duty to do so. Number three, the third way that a child of light deals with the darkness is this. A child of light despises the darkness. Now, you and I need to hate sin if we're ever going to drive it completely out of our hearts. Methodists. Anybody hate sin? You see, it wasn't until I learned to hate some certain sins in my life by seeing what they were really all about that I got serious about driving them completely out of my life. Too, much, too many of us have an affinity for sin. We're comfortable with sin. We've come out of sin, and we look back at it sometimes affectionately. Oh, the wild days, the good old days. You want to hear my testimony? No. What have you done for Jesus this week? Oh, back in the day, I was doing this and doing that, and to hear that, all the, the crazy stuff. Praise God. But what are you doing for Jesus today? You see, too many of us have an appetite for sin or we have an affection for sin, and, and we really need to learn to hate it. We have to despise it. Verse 12 says this: for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Paul ramps it up here to quite a level. I mean, look how aggressively he wants us to look at it. Not only do we have to avoid it and expose it, but we need to despise it. He wants us to not even talk about it. He's saying it's shameful. You know, one thing our generation has lost is a sense of shame. Things that used to be shameful that they wouldn't even be said in public, said on TV, are said in broad daylight, and people are brazen about them. (laughs) We're not ashamed to sin anymore. No matter what it is, we're not ashamed. And Paul says... We shouldn't even talk about these things. It's disgraceful. It's a shame that we would even speak about those things. We should not even be comfortable talking about certain things. It's amazing the things that Christians know. It's amazing the things that Christians know about the world system. I mean, there's some things we don't have to know. Did you know that? I want to talk about that in just a little bit, but Christians know all kinds of things. I hear Christians talking about who's sleeping with who in Hollywood. Oh, and this one, did you hear in the left, Angelina, and blah, 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 blah. Did you know? No, I don't know. And if you tell me, I'm going to stretch your bottom lip over your head because I don't want to know. Please don't tell me. Right? Oh, we know about what's going on. Oh, you know what's going on in the neighborhood? Did you hear who's getting a divorce? Did you do it? Come on. We know things. We know things about, oh, did you know what this athlete or this musician thinks about morality or politics? (laughs) I don't care. Because you can hit a baseball or put a ball in a hoop. Listen, they train seals at SeaWorld to do that. That doesn't mean I want you to tell me your opinion on morality or or the relevance of the Bible or how separation of church and state, which is not in the Constitution or in the Bible, but, but, but Christians can't say anything in the public square. But an athlete or a musician, look, I really don't care anymore. This is what I care about. I don't want a politically correct worldview. I want a biblical worldview. And Christians need to get a biblical worldview. Oh, well, did did you hear what they said in that talk show? No, I don't watch it. You know what's going on with the royal family? I don't care. Prince William, I don't care. We kicked them out of here in 1776. It's on them now. We know all kinds of things about all kinds of stuff we don't even need to know about. And we need to not be immersed in the darkness and familiar with the darkness and well-versed in the things of the darkness. But we, we have to come out of it. You know, ignorance is still bliss when it comes to the practices of darkness. There are certain things that we know that, you know, Uh, the things that are done in secret, there are certain things that we know that we shouldn't even know, yet we know them and it's stolen our innocence. How many realize our children's innocence is being stolen at such a, they're ramping it down younger and younger and younger. They're teaching kids like this high in school about sexual practices and morality and and they gotta love the planet and the green agenda. I mean, they're just indoctrinating their little heads. Why? Younger and younger. Do you think that's an accident? No, the devil knows his time is short, and he knows he has to capture a generation, so he's desperate, and he's starting younger and younger. Ignorance is bliss when it comes to the practices of darkness. Do you know Romans tells us we should be innocent of certain things? Listen to Romans 16, 19. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, Paul says. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So Paul says what? Be wise about what is good, but innocent of evil. Fill your mind with the things of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the things of the spirit. Fill your mind with the kingdom things, amen? but stop filling it with worldly stuff. We know too much stuff we don't even need to know, and it's cost us our innocence. And you say, why has that happened? Because we haven't despised the darkness. We've maintained an affinity for it. God wants us to be separate so our light can shine in the darkness. If you miss darkness into the light, the light is compromised. It doesn't have the penetrating effect anymore. Why is it so important that we despise the darkness and steer clear of it? Here's why. Because sin has an enticing nature. Understand, sin isn't just a mathematical problem. It's not just a, you know, it's just not a, 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 an intellectual choice. Sin has all kinds of components around it. There's, you know, physical and there's mental and there's spiritual. Sin has an enticing nature. If you and I entertain sinful things, if you and I entertain the darkness, if you and I immerse ourselves in the world, sin will entice us. Do you know why did Eve eat the apple and why did she feed it to Adam? Because she spent time talking to the serpent. And the serpent was smooth with his words. And he used that enticing nature to deceive both Adam and Eve so that sin entered into the equation and disrupted everything to do with God and his most prized creation, you and I. So understand the nature of sin. It has an enticing nature. So you and I have to despise it. Why? Otherwise, it'll entice us. Otherwise, it'll draw us in. Otherwise, it will snare us. You know, mice don't wind up dead in mousetraps because the bait smells horrible. Right? Right? When you go to catch a mouse, you got mice in your house, you want to catch those little suckers, what do you got to do? You, you can't put some smelly rot. you got to put some good bait down. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. My wife is the mouse slayer. <laughs> you know, a mouse comes into my house, they better see the Grim Reaper, and it's Kim. But like, I mean, she gets serious traps everywhere. Uh, we live in the middle of nowhere, and the mice, you know, this is a rough neighborhood, they moved out, they moved to some <laughs> other town. But but the bait smells good. And sin smells good. The, the the pleasures of sin are for a season. It's pleasurable, it's fun, it's enticing, it looks exciting, it draws you in and it snares you. And sin will always take you further than you wanted to go and cost you more than you wanted to pay. But it has an enticing nature, so we must despise it. The world is attacking our youth in this generation and our children to suck them in, to to affect them in their minds morally, politically, sexually. At a younger and younger age, you and I in the church need to hold up the standard of holiness and righteousness, and that's only going to happen when we despise sin. You know, mature believers have a hard task, and we're tasked with the delicate balance of what? Avoiding sin? exposing it and standing against it. This is for mature believers, amen? We need maturity in the church. We have enough immature, we have enough half converted, we have enough who just want milk. We have enough of those, we need mature saints. Why? Because if we don't stand against the darkness, it's gonna decimate our generation. And God's gonna hold us accountable for it. The the fourth point I wanna cover today from our text is this. A child of light deals with the darkness by knowing how to defeat the darkness. So, you know, we have got to avoid the darkness. We've got to expose the darkness. We need to despise it or we're never going to root it out of our own lives and out of our generation. But at some point, if we've done all those things, we need to learn how to defeat the darkness. And I, I close with this. Verse 13 and 14. 13 says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. You see, it's shining the light of truth on this generation and on the, the deceptive things that look so fun but don't provide any fulfillment. It's shining the light that becomes the most effective way to defeat the darkness. Where's the light? The light's in you and I. Understand some things here. Until the proverbial lights are switched on for this generation, until the curtain is pulled back, people are going to stay in sin because they don't understand the nature of it and they think that that's all there is. Verse 14 reveals three things that the church must do to turn the lights on for the lost. That's our job today. If you don't leave here with anything else today, understand this. You and I have a job to do. We have Christian duty to expose sin. Why? To turn the lights on for the lost. Anybody who's close to me, who's close to you, should see the light. When we turn the lights on for the lost, yes, some of them are going to, scoff and run away but some of them are going to run to the light three things from verse 14 that show how the church must turn the lights on for the lost is this listen the first thing is it says awake sleeper so the first thing the church has to do is wake up if you're sleeping and somebody goes wake up you wake up right my dad, if we overslept at our house, we all had alarms. We got up. He used to come in with pots and pans. Da, 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 have a parade. If you've never had a Fred parade in your bedroom at 6 30, you're missing out. Talk to him. Maybe he'll come over. But it's time for the church to wake up. Now I understand something. Those of us who are awake and have been awake, Get real annoyed at people telling us to be awake. <laughs> oh, you know, the church needs to stand against abortion. We've been doing that for decades. The church needs to pray against immorality. We've been doing that for decades. The, there's things that we are doing. And then other people who aren't doing go, oh, the church needs to wake up. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> if you're awake this morning, I apologize. Because I get frustrated with people, oh, we need to do it. And I've been praying about that for 30 years. I'm awake, I'm awake. But it, there are areas in all of our lives where we're not awake, so we can't get too cock- cocky and got to stay humble. But the church as a whole needs to wake up because, you know, we're allowing the darkness to push us into a corner, you know, <laughs> At some point, we have got to let the light shine and dispel the darkness, so we've got to wake up. The enemy works hard to keep the church asleep because when we're asleep, the darkness reigns. But if the church will wake up, and part of it, look, the, the Lord is going to do it. He's going to, by the Holy Spirit, prepare for himself a bride without spot or wrinkle. I'm not criticizing the bride today. I'm, not, I'm just saying that the church needs to wake up and let the light shine because it's dark out there, amen? Number two, the second thing the church needs to do is to rise up. Look what it says. Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead. It's one thing to be awake and to see what's going on and to be prayerful and to have oil in our own lamps. But at some point, we need to arise and to do something about the darkness to push it back, amen? We're too quiet. We're too, you know, we're too focused on our own little stuff, and we're we're not kingdom-minded enough, and we need to forget about building a kingdom in this world, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to clean my house and stack my wood, and winter's coming, and I got to hide some nuts so the squirrels don't. (laughs) Anybody else busy? I read my to-do list in the morning, and I'm exhausted. I need a nap. Go back to bed, right? (laughs) Try again tomorrow. But we've got to rise up, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to acknowledge it's getting darker out there. We've got to speak the word of God with passion and boldness and clarity. You and I are bringing the gospel, which is the good news. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it's the good news. Oh, nobody wants to hear it. Look, I know how that feels, but there's some people who want to hear it. You know, some of, if we had the, the, the same in, uh, tenacity as like an insurance salesman, we get the gospel out there, right? I made a hundred phone calls. If one person says yes, it's a good day. Do we do that with our faith? Do we do that with the gospel? Oh, they rejected me. I'm, I'm never going to try that again until I die. Passion, boldness, courage. God, put it in me. Put it in the people within the sound of my voice. Lord, let us be passionate about the gospel. Let us rise up in this generation and with clarity, shine the light in the darkness. Some will be offended, but some will come running. And so, God, we do it for those. Number three, the last thing the church can do to turn the lights on for the lost is this, to let our light shine. Look what the text says. Awake sleeper, arise from the dead. Listen, and Christ will shine on you. That's interesting there. We need to look at the, the word phraseology. He doesn't say that Christ will shine through you. He doesn't say that people will see Christ for themselves. He says the light of Christ will shine on you. What's that all about? Well, here, here's what that's all about. The only thing that we can do, we have no glory in ourselves. We have no spiritual power in ourself, We Even our intellect is no match for the enemy. The only thing we can do is reflect the glory of Jesus Christ in our lives. So when Jesus shines on us, then he can shine through us. Well, I'm around people all the time and they never, maybe there's not enough Jesus shining on you to shine through you, amen? So we got to let the light shine on us. How do we do that? We fill ourselves with the things of God. That's why we've got to despise the dark, because if we're filled with darkness, we're not going to shine any light and we're not going to reflect anything about Christ. Some Christians are more like, you know, I mean, they repulse people rather than draw them with religion and with rules and with denominational things. It's not about that. It's about love. It's about forgiveness. It's about the free gift of salvation. When you and I let Jesus shine through us, the world, and and there's no darkness in the way, the world can hardly reject him. Who could reject him? He's so wonderful. He's so forgiving. He offers so much freely. A child of the light must know how to defeat the darkness. If we wake up, rise up, and let the light shine through us, we will reverse the tide in our generation. We are children of the light. We've come out of the dark, so we don't participate in sin. We're never willing to participate. We avoid it. We expose sin for those who are headed towards the bridge, and the bridge is out. It's our Christian duty to warn them. We need to learn to despise sin so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to to bring every bit of it out of us, and then we learn to defeat it by waking up, by rising up, and letting our light shine. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters. Father, I thank you for those that are awake. The Bible says that in the last days that Laodicean church will be a church that doesn't accept truth and and, and doesn't want to hear the truth. And I thank you for people who come here week after week and are willing to eat meat and hear truth. God, we don't want to be hearers only, but we want to be doers. So, Father, fill us with your power. Father, you've shown us the blueprint on how we should live. You've pointed out the areas where we need to be aggressive so that we can be successful for the kingdom of God. Help us to embrace those things. Father, help us not to care so much about the things of the world and the voices of the world and and what the the celebrities say, but help us to hang on every word that is in the word of God. Give us a, a biblical worldview so that the light can be reflected through our lives and dispel the darkness. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise this morning.